Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're at. Might even be good riddance to whatever was happening 10 minutes ago. This morning's Dharma talk title is taken from line number seven or of eight kinds of mastery of Hedetsan Milarepa, the Tibetan great yogi or saint, you could say. And it is uh, affliction, about affliction and wisdom. And I'm going to sing it for you. I apologize ahead of time for any difficulty that this may create for you. It's not creating any for me. <laughs> You're surprised that I'm doing this without being without it being requested? Without being my birthday. It's not your birthday, <laughs> but that's not far off. I think it's this year yet. <laughs> Affliction and wisdom. Number seven, there's eight of these. Not seeing affliction and wisdom as differing. This is as full as realization can be. What the hell is that about? Affliction. We know what that is. What is wisdom? What, what is, we have ideas, we have definitions, we have dictionaries. Wisdom, not separate. This is just basic non-duality. Non-duality, not two. Not two. Sure, it looks like it, but it's not two. It's a realization that you will not get credit for. You will not have a credential. But we're always looking for something, proof of it. Am I doing okay? Am I getting better? You're not. If you're listening to me, I can tell you right now, you're not going anywhere. If you think you are, then you'll continue to go in what? Circles. And you will suffer. And you'll torture others around you. Not intentionally. <clears throat> Find out who you are. Get your identity from nothing else. Just your own mind stream. This is frightening. If it's not frightening... And sit more. If it's still not frightening, sit more. What am I saying? Sit down, hold still, observe. This is basic Mahamudra, basic Zogchen, basic Zazen, basic Shikantaza, basic, basic, basic. Without a name, it's just don't do much. Don't do anything. Stop it. Stop. As Trungpa Rinpoche said in 1980, big no. I feel that he probably thought about I'm just going to say no. You probably thought, I'm not getting this. <laughs> and so he said, no. <clears throat> as it says in, uh, in uh, uh, as Vasubandhu is talk, uh, talks about in the 30 verses, that as long as consciousness, as long as, as, long as, uh, as whatever happens, in the mind stream is not seeing, not seen as just movements of consciousness. I'm paraphrasing here. Then the twofold grasping at me and that other stuff, or me and those guys, or this body and this mind, any duality shows up in this instruction. You have to see it. You have to see it. And how do you see it? You look at everything that it is not. And everything you see, everything you think, everything you feel 
everything you conclude, everything you exclude is other. And that other is what? Empty. It's empty of its very otherness. You have to see it. And it will be ordinary. When I say ordinary, it doesn't mean you won't uh, have uh, powerful insights into what is ever occurring moment by moment or day by day, year by year. You may and you may not. <clears throat> so afflictions and wisdom, or shall we say some kind of ultimate knowledge that's being pointed at there, this is not just about Buddhism, although Buddhism is a, a powerful path, 2,500 years of this cumulative, accumulated understanding passed down through ideas, words, concepts, song, movement, prostration, offering, offering, offering. Dedicate yourself to it. You don't have to dedicate yourself to me or to the Buddha, but dedicate yourself to finding out, don't get your identity from anything. You have to look at the obstruction. You have to look at the walls of the mind to see that they are invented and they are like a safety net. You don't need a safety net. There is no safety net. The only true safety is no net. If nothing is threatened, then what are you going to, why would you protect anything? And it, you have to see that nothing is threatened. And this is difficult when the whole world is yelling at you just the opposite. Do this, don't do this, you shouldn't do that, you better not do this. We're not saying that death isn't coming without warning, life isn't coming in without warning. Of course, as the Buddha said very clearly, life is suffering. Take a look. It's not nihilism. Nihilism is actually a conclusion that you come about something so that you don't have to look at what it is. Just like you see something, you give it a name. As soon as you name anything, you back up from what it actually is, 13 and a half inches. You back up away from what it is to protect yourself from other, other. And you get that security by Parikalpata, uh, the imaginary nature that looks at dependent origination and backs into uh, selfness, self-position and otherness over and over and over, day by day, moment by moment, second by second. Forget all the time. It's always this. It's always other. And what do you have to do? Don't get rid of it. Don't endeavor necessarily to be somebody else, some higher form of meditation, some kind of uh, super perceptive, intuitive mindfulness about everything. As Dogen said in the 13th century, drop off body and mind. He's not saying get rid of the body or torture the body. He's just saying just look at the grasping at the body as somebody and the grasping at the mind as something that is real or the thoughts of the mind. It's just about seeing that. Look at the way you grasp at the body. This is dropping off. Just watch the grasping without adding, subtracting, dividing. Don't let, don't stop the grasping. Don't abandon the grasping that you're seeing or the, the fixation you're seeing for what's causing it. 
just look at just look at that open wound look at it there won't be a credential there as Trungpa Rinpoche uh, the title of one of his seminars back in the 70s was Buddha Dharma Buddha awakened Dharma truth without credentials without proof Buddha Dharma awakened truth with no proof well if there's no proof how can you know if this is the actual Buddha Dharma or if it's just somebody's invention around what the Buddha taught or even what the Buddha is saying is just something he made up to get famous or to get a lot of followers don't concern yourself with that you find out you sit down take it to the wall as Bodhidharma did in the sixth century wall gazing nine years this doesn't mean he sat there for nine years it, meant, it means that he sat there for nine years this means you have to do a lot of this you have to do a lot of this seeing the walls of the mind just look at the wall don't push on it don't pull on it don't shut down on it don't ignore it don't 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 big no a big no which is not nihilism that has to come out of a powerful consistent ongoing awareness practice where you are receiving 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 receive 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 no not seeing not seeing we're using that particular sense consciousness the seeing one because it is the one that is the most loaded with otherness that stuff over there is over there and i'm over here and i got mine and sorry about you but then all of the sense fields get more and more intimate but we're saying seeing is a powerful otherness in the consciousness whereas something like sound is a little closer a little more intimate and then the other sense consciousnesses i don't need to explain to you how intimate taste is this is this whole situation is one flavor this does not mean that it is neutral not seeing affliction pain suffering difficulty passion aggression ignorance pride envy not seeing that and wisdom or clarity enlightenment realization however you want to clarity about what clarity about what this is as a human being you are so clear you are so completely you see so clearly that the the mirror that you were looking into vanishes and there isn't even a mirror there isn't anything else but this <laughs> and this is you can do this it just takes a while quite a while not seeing affliction <coughs> and wisdom as differing as differing milarepa who spent his, most of his life in retreat said this is as far as we know about the translation this is as full this is as full as realization can be you, you what we're calling wisdom and what we're calling affliction are not two different things just what should we go to vasubandhu just movements in consciousness it's like by looking at the separation by looking at the suffering without abandoning it for who caused it without abandoning it for covering up or doing some special kind of practice so you don't have to suffer 
right, without going the other way and giving yourself uh, some merit badges for how much I'm willing to just suffer. This is not separate from wisdom. Not separate from wisdom. Not two different things. There is no other. You're actually, you can say, you use a heavy, a very heavy relative where you are transitioning without even leaving this body. You haven't even died yet. And you're transitioning out of this relative world of life and death up and not back and forth. Hope and fear, right and wrong. The beautiful and ugly. You name them. They're, anytime you have one, you're going to have its opposite. It's the very nature of the human realm, of the six realms, of the six realms. How do I know? I don't have a clue how I know anything. I have no proof of anything. As I often say, not to be cute or not to be um, whatever, it may, however it may turn up in your mind when you hear this. Don't believe anything I say. I'm, what I'm saying here is I'm saying you see it. You see it. I will help you. But I'm not going to get in the way of the karma that you need to experience. You may need to go through a real shithole of stuff. Don't accept it. Don't reject it. Don't look away from it. Don't accept it. Passion. Don't reject it. Aggression. And don't distract yourself or look away. Ignorance. Those are the three. You don't necessarily need to study the Vijnapti Matrata City in order to understand this. But you may. Go ahead. Thank you, Bowen. So in this seventh verse of Malarepa, it, are, is it and are you saying that when an affliction or an apparent affliction arises, it could wear the name of wisdom? Bowen? You see, it's not different. There's no reason, reason to even name it. Thank you, Bowen. So is language then just a teaching tool? Language? Mm -hmm. Or naming? Just the whole thing is just a just a framework, a structure, just like the 30 verses, just a structure. Sir. She's on bowing. What what are the three jewels when they're not when they're seen to be undifferent, undifferentiated bowing? <clears throat> well they're going to show up different with the Dharma Sangha, is that what you're asking? Huh? Or the the duality of going to something for refuge, like creating a polarity to support practice. Yes. What happens when the that is no longer then there, there isn't anything but practice then it's fruition and there's, there's nothing that, that has attained anything there's no attainment this says this over and over again in the heart sutra it talks about i can't even re, re, uh, repeat it can anybody recite a line from the or let's not take the heart sutra let's take the diamond sutra that's really a outrageous commentary anyone have a line from that memorized Get busy. <laughs> Go ahead. The part in the heart sutra is no path, no wisdom, no attainment, and no non-attainment. I like that. Thank you, Takado. So it's get your caught. It's no. It's, you can't find a reference point. The, the teachings themselves, especially in sutra form, are deliberately pointing out this is not true. But when the ego mind gets up next to that, it's like, well, it can't mean exactly that because then it wouldn't be anything at all. Yep, that's what it is. That's what it is. It's just that getting there uh, is, is like going up a mountain. That we use a, quite often use the idea of a mountain when it comes to 
walking the path. And the teaching person, if you have one, is not necessarily just somebody who knows the way up the path. Uh, they are the mountain. Because they're no longer separate from anything. They're not separate from you as a practitioner. They're not separate from the mountain. But they're not going to come and hammer on your door and say, hey, I'm the mountain. I'm the guru. Wouldn't you want to come and study with me? I'm not going to say that. You have to do it. You have to. You have to do it. You have to go after that. You have to have some kind of inspiration to do this. Otherwise, the, you know, the what do we say? Uh, or what do I say? What does anybody say? The clock is ticking. You might be 30 today. But that does not last. That goes by very fast. And so, as uh, has been said before, life comes without warning. Here we are again, another day. Have you never ever noticed how there's always another day? And how that other day is also different than the other day, but it's still just that day. It's just always this day. But it has a different shape, color, texture, smell, fragrance, itchiness. It has a, some different quality. Yet it's just this, just this, just this. Chazan Bonnie, is there a way we should approach non-duality on the path? Just look at the dualism rather than try to create some kind of feeling of non-duality. Although there is, there are practices that do that also. But the most important one, as far as I see, is just look at the way you, me, any of us, separate things into right and wrong, true and false, to constant separation in order to to protect that which is unreal, which is the illusion of a self, of an ego, of somebody who can win or lose, live or die. That's the big threat. As I've said before, and others have said before, maybe we're gonna live for three or 400 years, we'd probably stop fighting with everything. Uh, after about 262 years, 63 years, somewhere after you've gone through several Saturn cycles, you're probably gonna, you're just gonna say, I, I, I'm not going to fight. As uh, Chief Joseph of the Nespers, who I often quote, said, uh, from where the sun stands now, I will fight no more. Forever. He's right here. That's here. There isn't anything but here. And everything is here. I'm not saying believe it. I'm saying consider it. Nothing's gone anywhere. Someone right next to you, very close to you, has passed. They haven't gone anywhere. Surprise. Who was that expression? Is it from South Park? Uh -huh. <laughs> Is that South Park? It's uh, Nelson from The Simpsons. Oh, it's from The Simpsons. Well, don't have a very good memory. Ask him how he knew that. How do you know that? From no one that. From no one that. Good response. Did you? A question from James. James? 
Hello, Sensei. I am trying to practice meditation, but also loving kindness and compassion. With the situation in the U.S., with everyone hating each other, what advice do you have to maintain good practice? Not knowing you, I might, if I knew you better, uh, you know, I might say something different. But just uh, as a general response to that, I would say, just train your mind. You don't have to practice Buddhism necessarily. You might, not, but the, the, you might need to practice. You might need a teacher. You might need a, a community. I don't know. That would be. Up. But the best thing, uh, like today, tomorrow, is sit down, hold still, and watch the insanity of your mind, because the insanity you see in the world is your mind. If you think otherwise, then we continue to go to war and peace, war and peace, war and peace, war and peace. It's complete, what's that word? Insanity, yes. Insanity. So just train your mind, get to the wall, sit down. And all I'm really saying is just sit down, hold still with all the senses open and watch what happens. It's just kind of a, a kind of curiosity about what's coming and going rather than a grasping at something or rejecting at something else. That takes time. Because the assumption about who we are, belief in a body, belief in our mind stream, disbelief in this thought, but belief in that one, is it just propels us into that circularity that is called samsara or life of suffering. Well, start, start here. Start with the, as is sometimes said in the teaching, and I think it's in the Atisha's Seven Points of Mind Training, start with the greatest defilement first. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest defilement first is belief there is somebody. Now, you might extend beyond that and say jealousy, passion, aggression, ignorance, pride, um, something else like that. But the greatest one is thinking that there's someone here, a solid being. I'm not saying there isn't consciousness. There isn't some dynamic that's happening. But it's only happening in its specificity. And, it, and generally, nothing is happening. But you might might take you a while to see that. It's not a conclusion. If it's a conclusion, we're right back to relative truth again. You cannot figure this out. Question from Vishal in San Jose. Who? Vishal. Vishal. Okay. Is there a difference between how your experience of this life is and how others do? How, how I experience? I'm not sure what the question is. There's differentiation all over the place. What, what is it you want to know? Because that, that might show up as a different way of asking that question. He can come back if it's a he goes up. Maria has a question in the chat box, and she oh. asks. Maria, go ahead, Maria. What is wisdom, and is there anything beyond wisdom? There isn't anything but wisdom. And no. There's just wisdom. There's just incre incredible, uh, radiant bliss everywhere, all the time. And even the word time is too much. It's not even time. You ask. You have to use concepts. So what it actually is, what I'm describing to you, giving to you, is a, the, the, the long version of the title of Banana Cream Pie. Now you want to know how to make that? Face the wall. A lot. Until you see wisdom yourself. What I say, 
believe what I say. It's not going to help you other than you turn this direction. I'm going to say, you can see this. You can do this. Do it. You can see this. You can do this. Go ahead. Yes. Well, no, I wanted to ask about credentialing. Um, when we see ourselves uh, getting a, uh, automatically giving ourselves a credential, um, what is happening there? Are we negating? Not, not exactly. If you're just watching the credential form uh, as a as a kind of a knee jerk response in your mind stream to I'm getting somewhere. I think this is I'm doing really well. I really like the way I responded to that person's uh, aggression. Uh, just the awareness of that. Don't try to get rid of the. You need to see it, but you don't have to get rid of it because the labyrinth of dependent origination that is just seven eighth of an inch behind that it extends all over the place. If you take any position on it. You immediately tie yourself into this incredible, it's called Indra's net. You tie yourself into everything. Everything that's ever happened, every, every shoe drop has ever dropped on the floor in Seattle. Not separate from that. Not obvious, of course, but what is obvious? I don't know what's behind this altar. There's probably a receptacle. Or maybe there's, maybe there's some gold bullion hidden back, hidden back there. So we don't really know. So anytime the credential shows up, just watch the credential form. That's the way you get to know that the self-centeredness that forms the credential, that supports, is supported or needs the credential, is dependently arisen and it's basically unreal. Well, are there subtle forms of credential credentialing? What do you want to know? Um, what I, the credentialing that I don't see, that I do. I still don't know. What do you want to know? What do you want to know? I want to see um, the ways I, I give myself a credential. So you, just follow what you've just, you've just asked about something that you claim that you don't see. Haven't you? Yes. You do see it. So it's more about ignoring. To, to, when the ignoring starts to back off, the, the, what is there begins to appear. And it doesn't appear as a credential of not ignoring. No, you don't. What do you? What? If, you, if my teacher says I don't, then I don't. You're just going to believe whatever your teacher says? Mm -hmm. In this case, yes. Okay, go ahead. Bowing. Um, you said the greatest defilement is believing we're a separate self. Um, are we able to work with that um, directly? as the greatest defilement? A lot of practice. Just seeing that whatever shows up, passion, aggression, ignorance, uh, pride, envy, shame, any, any dynamic that shows up in consciousness that pulls or pushes or shuts down, uh, just observe that without changing it, without agreeing with it, without, without, without any, anything extra, and realize that even those are hap forms arising in consciousness, there's no one there. If you do anything with it, it will support, it supports the illusion of someone who's stopping that, someone who's getting a credential, someone who's getting ahead, someone who's attaining awakening, someone who's smiling. More.
sort of going. That question's coming out of, I think, our last book study on the path is the goal from John Gervin Pacheco. He talks about how, I think he goes as far as to say that we can't work with the basic split directly, so we have to start through thoughts. And I was wondering why he might say it that way, where we can't work with the that greatest defilement first. So just the, the idea there is you, you just watch the thoughts come and go without without any comment. So you practice by watching the movement, and that way the karma that brought you into this realm in the first place, the one that shaped your ears, gave you the skin color you have, on and on and on, all the different things, your intelligence level, which I don't think is very high, is that right? Or no, you were the person who had a degree. Is that right? Technically. Do you, like, do you mind being mocked a little bit? No. <laughs> what was your question? I was wondering just about that different way that Trump was talking about that. He's look at who he's talking. He's talking to a lot of people, and it's just he might he might respond to individuals in a different way. But in that situation, he's just you know watch the thoughts come and go without grasping, rejecting, shutting down. Just observe observe what's happening in the mind stream. And he he does it a little differently. I don't know if he's doing it in that uh, text or not. He's 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 uh, using the the Shamadeva Vipassana. Shini and Lakhtang, the idea of labeling, sometimes taught this way, labeling thoughts and returning, deliberately trying to create a meditative awareness or a, or a more create, create a more uh, objective um, witnessing what's happening. I don't teach that anymore. I did. I don't anymore. No. Is there something you saw in teaching that that um, allowed the way you teach it now to show up? Probably. Do you want to know what it was? I do. <laughs> uh, it seemed to create a, a kind of a, a structure, a meditative personality. Someone who was actually thought they were aware, getting more and more aware because they were able to label thoughts and come back to the breath more and were more stabilized in just watching the breath. Not always. Some people, that's the kind of meditation they need to practice. Depends on the causes and conditions that arise as any given lifetime and the connection that one has with a Dharma teacher. Not to mention all the different lineages, all the different ways that the Buddha's Dharma shows up, starting with the 18 schools that showed up, uh, that appeared right after he uh, passed away or went into Parinirvana. All these different ideas about what he was saying. Probably were more than 18. Jessica. Jessica Bowing. You said earlier the only safety is no net. Is the net or the walls or whatever, is that what's creating the threat? Bowing? Is what creating the threat? The net or the walls or whatever. Yeah, the, the, scent, the, the paranoia of something coming and I hate to, need to protect myself. There's nothing is in danger. I'm not saying we're, you can just walk across the street without looking for traffic. We're not talking about the relative structure. We have to be careful, of course, protect each other, protect ourselves. But that paranoia, that fear of some kind of hidden otherness or hidden result that's going to happen if we don't 
watch ourselves or we're cautious more. What's creating that? Well, it's fear, but it's someone who is threatened. So it's fear that that identity and uh, talked about in the Yogacara, um, eight consciousnesses, a seventh consciousness of that part of the mind that has closed off into a paranoid, uh, as Trump Rinpoche called it, a paranoid insurance policy. Like you take some part of the consciousness and just lock it away, lock it down, and there's still a passage from the eighth to the sixth. So there's some some kind of coming and going, but there's strong guardians at the doorway there. So what goes through gets scrutinized for its uh, how valuable it is to the ego or how obstructive or difficult or challenging it might be to the ego. And it's different with everyone. And this is a different way of talking about it. There are scholars that can probably, not only probably, can explain it more clearly conceptually than I can. Just knowing what happens to the seventh consciousness after the ego is seen through. If, if we're using that as a structure, then uh, it, it may do whatever it wants. I mean, it may do whatever is necessary in terms of dependent origination. So it may it may dissolve. Uh, it may uh, it may still be there as some kind of container that has, has lots of holes in it. Uh, it, will, it, will, it will again. It will still be because it's some kind of a structure we're talking about conceptually. It will show up uh, still show up in dependent origination. It just won't masquerade as somebody. So the feelings, the emotions, jealousy can still arise, but there won't be anyone who's jealous. Jealousy, because it's dependently arisen, it might have come from the 13th century. I'm not promoting past life, belief in past lives, but I'm saying nothing is separate. More. A follow-up question from Vishal. Yes. Have you had an experience that makes you different than before, which helps you to help us? Somewhat, but it's not really an experience. I've had a lot of experiences when I hear about it. <laughs> Let's see. No, I'm just saying it's not an experience. It's not, it's not, it, it may be somewhat experiential, but it's not something that shows up as, oh, I used to be this, but now I'm this. No, same thing. Nothing has occurred. There's been no, there's been no occurrence. It's so outrageous that you can't find out, you can't even find out how it works. Those who have seemed to have realized something beyond this uh, relative world, those who understand something and endeavor to teach or show, um, may use different ideas. Some people talk about their experiences. I had a couple experiences that were pretty strong when I was many years ago, 40 years ago more than that, but not much lately. Just it's, it's like just less and less pushing, less and less pulling, less and less obstructing, just less and less and less. Everything just starts to wind down. A question from Robert Bushway. Okay. Is seeking a credential an inappropriate bypassing in letting go of anger and at a deeper level of avoiding compassion? Probably. 
I wouldn't get too descriptive or too conceptual about it. And so far as you can, just keep it very simple. Get get your get yourself if you're listening, and <clears throat> unless you have other ideas, and probably want to do those. But if you're listening to this person, get to the wall. Get get to a place where nothing is happening. Sit very symmetrical, and watch what continues to show up in the mind stream. <laughs> do a lot of it, and this way, you will. There's no guarantee. You'll just get really bored for 20 years, maybe 30 years. Do it anyway. If you're hearing or even listening, if you're, what is there, 50 some people on here, and then there's a couple dozen here, less than a couple dozen. But if you're here and you're listening to this, then there must be some something that is being said here, not because I'm so wonderful, maybe just the opposite be something here that is resonating with you. And I'm saying that what is resonating is, is yours. You may need more of this, you may not. That's up to you. There's no sales pitch going on. But you may be able to just turn towards your own mind stream and watch what occurs there. You may find that you need to become a Buddhist, you may become need to become a monk. That's your business. But this actually can be done without without that. I just think it's from my understanding, looks like it would be a lot more difficult. I certainly wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for having two teachers. More more teachers than that, but those two very important teachers, Trungpa and Gobin. Deb Bowling. So I think I recently heard you say something like there's nothing to accept. Acceptance is looking for a result. How do I work with my relative world and relationships that feel bound to acceptance or rejection? But you just, you, you're able to ask the question, so you see the polarity, so just don't do anything with it. It might show up to tell a story. You might be sitting in front of somebody, you know, it could be your sister, your mom, your, your, your partner, your employer, your coworker, and they're, you're having what, commonly it's called as a conversation, you know about those. And uh, you'll notice in a conversation, it, it is propelled by this giving and take, you know, I say this, you say that, you say this, I say that, we go back and forth. And you can start out by just don't respond to people, be there, look at them. But when they, when they ask you a direct question, of course, then respond, but nothing extra. Don't produce, just receive, just receive, just listen. Just see, smell, hear, taste, touch, even think. Don't shut down on anything. But anything is moving. And you train to do this in Shikandaza or just sitting meditation. Very simple, symmetrical, recepting, or receiving everything, just receive. That way, when you sit down and somebody else is receiving in your direction, you can fully receive this. And they may be expecting you to nod your head and sure, yeah, oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, mm, yeah, I felt that way, too. Mm-hmm. We, we do that because we know that without doing that, the person won't get enough feedback to keep going sometimes. You follow me a little bit? So you can train yourself rather than I tell you what to do and give you a, a form or a structure, a protocol or a standard. I would say <clears throat> just reserve, uh, receive. Take anybody in, in your family or and just watch how you keep filling in things at the end of their sentence, or maybe even, even 
uh, interrupting them. I sometimes say, and I'll say now, wait for the period. If somebody's talking to you, wait for them to come to a stop before you say anything. And even then, you can you can wait a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of oxygen come in there, where they may even take off and start talking again. That's fine. Just receive. They may have a lot to say that you might not have heard had you cranked up your end of the of the subject matter that you're working with. Thank you. It's very helpful. Thank you, Deb Bowen. Certainly. Uh, you another couple of questions from Vishal. His first question, is taking support to keep the back straight okay? Yes. And should a smile be fabricated while meditating? Mm -hmm. I follow what you're saying. That sometimes is taught, but uh, I prefer this kind. <laughs> That's not enough, then cut out your eyelids so you can't ever close them again. I think that's what Bodhidharma is. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit. I would, uh, it's kind of a subjective thing. I, I, you could do it a little bit. But that's, that's been, uh, who was it this? I'm trying to think of, uh, Takodo, do you know who, who's <coughs> teaching, who talked about maintaining some kind of slight smile? Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh talked about it quite a bit, but also Coben taught Zazen that way. Yeah. But it's not really a smile. It looks like a smile. No. But what you're doing is getting rid of any cavity for air in your mouth. Uh, I thought that was coming from uh, uh, from Coben, but I wasn't sure. Thank you. So, yes, more. A question from Stephen Williams. Stephen. I'm in school for psychology, and I also began to practice Zen. How do I separate my Zen practice and Buddhist teachings from a Western academic study of the human mind? Thank you. You know, just, just that you can even ask that question already, already says you're probably doing enough right there. You can see that those are different approaches to it. We're not, we're not uh, getting rid of Western psychology. This is quite often, this is what uh, uh, tends to happen somewhat uh, when, when Buddhism comes from the West, which has been around 2,500 years, an ancient technology that doesn't line up with our, uh, particularly with, with our uh, uh, training to get a healthy ego. Quite often, this is what Western psychology is about. Not always. So I, I, I don't see where you'd have to do anything different if you're, if you're doing sitting meditation, if you have a teacher. Um, but depending on the teacher, they might be able to help you there. Um, but also just study. We have, uh, we have two fully ordained monks here in the monastery who are also uh, therapists. And... So do you have any trouble separating all that? They help inform each other. Yeah. So Ondo, who is a therapist and also a monk, said they help inform each other. And I, I would think, since she's not here, I don't think. Where is she? What does Senshu look like? <laughs> she's the one with the little roomy in front of her. So I, I would say that it's possible to, to work with those together. Even... Uh, uh, um, Naropa University, uh, early on in the 1970s, when it started in 1974, had a, um, a, a psychology program 
And uh, I think one of our uh, friend of ours that uh, lives in Kalamazoo, Robert Walker, I think he has a degree uh, in psychology from there. So probably still going on. Yes. He has a follow-up. He says, to be clear, there are many agreements between Western psychology and Buddhist, te Buddhist teachings, but the differences are what I struggle to separate because Zen practice is important for me. Um, so I don't know anything about you. I don't know how old you are, which would make some difference. But I would say just continue. Uh, the most important thing I can say to you, whether you ever listen to me again, is get yourself to the wall. Get to a sitting meditation, Zazen or Shikantaza, however you're characterizing this. Do that. That's that's very, very important, If you're, especially if you're working with other uh, traditional teachings, talking about the nature of the mind. And then also study study the provisional teachings of buddhism the four noble truths the eightfold path the 12 links the the mahayana uh, paramitas and so on those are those are powerful conceptual teachings that break through the the, the fixation of the western psychology sometimes has any further questions either here in the, uh, in the monastery or on Soon. Kevin Bowing. Yes, Kevin. It's described somewhere afflictions are the cage of the mind or something like that. Yes. So if they're also wisdom. What is being liberated, Bowing? It's not so much that something is being liberated, uh, but we talk about it because we feel like we're in a cage. We feel like we're constricted. So the, the liberation uh, realization is that that you that the consciousness that used to think there was somebody and ran away from some things and ran towards other things and shut down on other things that that no no longer is functioning. The, uh, the consciousness is liberated. So therefore everything you everywhere you look you, you don't see anything but so nothing is in prison. The walls of the mind are were, were a fiction or about the very power of consciousness it is so powerful that it can get wrapped up in itself, up in itself, and become uh, some kind of interior oligarch. But if if this interior oligarch or this self-centeredness, this intense desire to control everything, runs into a true teacher, uh, then it's possible that that can come apart, and one can actually realize their true nature, their fundamental nature, which is beyond life and death. It's beyond you're not even who you actually are. Not even human. That's temporary. Everything's temporary. Except liberation, which isn't anything in, in particular. So it doesn't have a relative structure there. Jason Bowen. Jason. Yes, when you spoke of no safety net, when you were responding to someone, you also said, well, I'm not talking about going out into traffic. Yeah. My question is, how do we know when we are facing or approaching real fears, relative fears and dangers that might actually be dangerous, um, that maybe we do need a safety net or maybe we don't, or how do we look at that? Um, 
I, I think it will become more and more clear the more you practice. Uh, you're going to hear if you're listening to me. You're going to hear me say, uh, "Sit a lot." It takes a lot of sitting, and at some point, the boundary between sitting meditation and post meditation or your everyday situation that boundary goes away. That doesn't mean suddenly you're this incredibly clear person who's always seeing everything exactly as it is. There's no there's no uh, accomplishment happening there. It's worse than that. It's complete devastation to the ego. It's devastating because it is not uh, the result that the ego is looking for when we first step down the path. Um, in my personal situation, it seems that I'm dealing with a lot of, um, I, I have to worry about things that have life and death kind of, um, Yes. So I'm just wondering how to work with that. Well, you know, without knowing the specifics, I don't think I need to know the specifics. I mean, I'm old and I'm, my health has been compromised for many years from, for various reasons, heredity and bad habits and everything. So, and I'm, I'm not, uh, I mean, I continue to take insulin, even though I think it's, that they don't really understand what that is totally. So therefore it's just like what statin drugs we were talking about today. Doctors swear by statin drugs. We're not going to do that. At least uh, now if death comes without warning, then we'll probably regret not <laughs> taking statin drugs. But you know, it's, it's so individual and I'm sure it is in your situation, uh, Jason, uh, with your health situation, other people we have here that have really difficult, challenging health situations. So it's a, uh, it's difficult to know when some of the information out there is all twisted around and people have different ideas and opinions and so on. And I would say if you're going to go with anything, you should go with how you feel about it, how you're how you're doing. Sounds like you're doing fine to me. And I don't know, but I would say take precautions so that you your health keep your health health up as much as you can, so you can practice. I'm very biased here. You want to stay alive, stay alive, so you can practice. And practice so you can see your true nature and see what this is and see that you really, 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 really need to dedicate your life to others. That does not mean doing what they say. It might be just the opposite. It might be punching them. And I'm not just kidding you at all. But that needs to come out of a powerful awareness. Powerful, powerful, which is which is uh, not doesn't show up as bulging muscles. The ego mind is totally muscle-bound because we're always worried about something being threatened. The wisdom mind's not worried about anything because it's not separate from anything. There are The only dragon it sees is his own mind. There are no other dragons, just that one. You can see this. If this old man is sitting here yammering away about this, you might want to look at what is being pointed at rather than the content of the words. Because it does seem that there are legitimate fears that I have there are legitimately based in relative situations. And then I also see that I add on to those sometimes and make them worse, um, even if they might have a, a legitimate real world basis. And so I don't know if I have a question here, but when, when you said safety net, no safety net, I'm like, how much should I loosen up on that? And, and how much should I 
actually be a little fearful there. I guess I think is what I'm looking at and wondering, Alan. I don't think there's a, a some kind of a standard that I can uh, set up. I was saying the way to understand that more deeply, not just conceptually, but a more uh, a deeper understanding of it is to go into it. And how do we go into it? By training the mind to see clearly. Spend time sitting down. No one's there but you, unless there's Sangha, other people also meditating. You're not particularly talking to them. Sit down, hold still, and watch what moves. And I know your health situation may compromise that to some extent, but you keep coming back here, and I understand that you meditate from what you said. I know you meditated on the, the evening meditation that we do uh, daily. So I would say you're, you're doing fine. Just continue to do that. Continue to return to that structure. Uh, the teacher, the teaching, and the community. Those three are very important, especially the last one. Which one was the last one? I, I, I. Oh, it's the teacher, of course. <laughs> no, it's the it's the community. The the, the teacher is uh, is a, a member of the community. They just happen to be seeing some happen to be functioning as the the teacher. Somebody's got to do it. Might as well be uh, the person who uh, sees what it is without proof. There's no proof. I have no proof. I don't need proof. You don't need proof to know that fire is hot. Stick your hand in it. Thank you. Be sure and take it out. <laughs> Leave it there. Further questions? Yes. Question from Jindo. Jindo. What is it if I don't have questions? I have watched and listened for years and have not 100% done what you told me many, many times. I need to do that, so I keep to myself. I do not understand this on myself. So um, you're here, and you're right here with all the Sangha as a witness to what I'm about to say to you. Get your butt into retreat as soon as possible. Soon. Get into retreat. You, you have too many distractions. You're way too intelligent, and it's not a compliment. I don't give compliments out. But you're way too intelligent. You're so intelligent, the, the intelligence you have is working against you. You tend to go in circles and have conversations with yourself about everything. So and you're brave enough, I would say, or maybe foolish enough to come forward and expose that in, uh, in front of your teacher with all the sangha here. And I'm saying, train your mind. Schedule it. Sit down and say, I'm going to go into retreat on June the 1st or whatever time, 10 days minimum, strict solitary retreat. And I think you should do it at the monastery, not in your house. Derek, Jin Do. <laughs> <laughs> How about them apples? <laughs> They'll come towards the teacher unless you want a response. Other questions? Teresa Bowen. Teresa, go ahead. Um, earlier, I think I understood you to say that um, to not ignore the afflictions, but also don't try to um, just stay with it um, to get some kind of credential. So my, what I was, I don't understand is how can we um, 
look at the afflictions to a certain point without like trying to have some intention to stay with them, Valley. So the idea is to intend. So if something shows up, just uh, to use a simple way to talk about it, just flash on it. Don't maintain your grip on it. That tends to function in a way to protect the self-centeredness. Just just flash on it. It's a kind of it's kind of like a touch and go, but you don't really go. You don't touch on it and then deliberately go. You just touch on it. You smell of it. You taste it. You hear it. You feel it. You think it. Whatever. And no maintenance. Let it collapse. When I say let, it's not even a letting. It's not not like the ego mind or any aspect of the mind is giving anything else permission. So it takes practice. This is why we sit down in front of the wall to practice watching things come and go, called the mind stream, the life stream, the memory, what's happening down the hallway, what's happening on our our body fields, and don't do anything with it. It comes up, we watch it, it's like clouds in the sky. This mind is like the sky. Clouds are like the thoughts, emotions, memories, convictions, conjunctions, collaborations, conclusions exclusions that come and go. Nothing will last, but it will persist if you fool around with it. If you try to stop it, start it, drag a credential out of it, manipulate it, get some kind of imaginary control over it, then it tends to persist because things, things, uh, phenomena respond to any kind of interaction with it that function functions as an otherness. Subject object. As soon as you take that up as an individual, the whole world looks more solid, more real. This is happening. I did this. Well, I did that. And then this happened. It's very simple. Cause and effect karma. And that would work fine if that's all there were. But the cause and effect is so extensive that nothing is left out. This is called dependent origination. Pratitya Samutpada. If you don't see it, you'll be at the mercy of it. If you see it, you'll be at the mercy of it. But you won't mind. There won't be anyone there who's at the mercy of anything. You don't have to get rid of the ego. It's unreal. But you may have to see that it's uh, insubstantial and transient and dependently risen. Gito says thank you. And there's a question from Alan Miller. I spent a year practicing with the Korean Kwan Un school of Zen. I feel drawn to the Soto school, but there is no Soto practice in my area. Do you think it's wise to seek out a Soto teacher? Well, I'm very biased. So, yeah, probably. You're you're asking the question, you're mentioning it. Where is this person at? So in these days, you you can join this Sangha. We practice every day on Zoom. We're available every day of the week in some way. Sometimes the whole whole day is show you, you can come to this monastery on Zoom as of the last couple of years and see people facing the wall in real time. It might not be your time. You might be in South Africa, but you could find out what the time is and find out people sit here every morning, most every morning. And so, and there's teaching, teaching happens here every day. There's study happens. There's more study happens here than in a lot of places where you actually go and have a, where you go and, you know, you live in Vermont and you go someplace where there's a Zendo. 
uh, you may find that that teaching doesn't happen there very often. And sometimes there's no book study in those places. They're just what the teacher says. They're not studying the sutras or other teachings. So am I, this may sound like a sales pitch for Soku Koji. Maybe it is. I don't know. But you're here. So you can check it out. If it supports you, good. And you can also just, wherever you're at, just go on. Uh, if you really want to go to a place, a, a monastery, and it's you're not near where we are, then maybe you should go there. Go on the internet. There, these days, there are Zendos and Soto Zen is all over the place, all over the United States, as of the last hundred years or so. Kevin Bowing. It's Kevin. This doesn't have to be the last thing, but before you say bye-bye, will you sing the song again? (laughs) (laughs) Of course I will. Okay, I'll do that next. What time is it? It's time to go anyway. So I'm not going to sing the whole thing, but I'll sing that verse. Not seeing affliction and wisdom as differing. This is as full as realization can be. I usually only sing that on Uno's birthday. I get very, uh, I'm not quite as nervous about it as I used to be, but I, I, I know I don't have a, a singing, I'm not a natural singer, like some of my children are. May the mirror of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.